Listener Production. Hey, Tom Tilly with you for The Briefing. In this episode, what's been happening with Queensland Police? It looked at whether there were problems within the Queensland Police Service around sexism, racism, misogyny, homophobia, all of those sorts of things. So what you're hearing about there is an independent commission of inquiry into the Queensland Police Service. The Premier launched it earlier this year and the results came out this week and they were not good. We'll explain all of that in the second half of the briefing. First, here are today's headlines with Antoinette Latouf. It is Wednesday, November 23. The Reserve Bank boss, Philip Lowe, has given a pretty grim warning. Another important lesson from history is that bringing inflation back down again once it becomes entrenched in people's expectations is very costly and it almost certainly involves a recession, perhaps a severe recession. He said deglobalisation, an ageing society, more frequent natural disasters as a result of climate change made the world more vulnerable to fluctuating inflation. Yeah, so that means rates can go up and down much more quickly, um, which worries a lot of homeowners. He also said not to expect a pay rise anytime soon and not to expect wage growth to compensate for rising inflation. And Saudi Arabia has delivered one of the biggest upsets in World Cup history, defeating Argentina 2-1. So the Saudis are ranked second last, whereas Argentina is ranked equal second. Al Dasari with a stunner. Argentina are being cracked open here. And speaking of turning on the style, Saudi Arabia has declared a national public holiday today to celebrate the win and the Socceroos take on France in their opening game this morning. And there's been a third big resignation at the project. Peter Hallier announced last night he's leaving the show after eight years. Something on my mind for a while. People will um, read into the situation however they want to read into it, but I feel like I need to create some space for some, some projects that I want to work on. So Hellier follows Lisa Wilkinson, who made her announcement on Sunday, and Carrie Bickmore just last month. So that's... Three out of four big talent, Tom, and questions obviously remain. What will will Lee do and what does it mean for the show? Yeah, speculation is due for a major revamp at the least. So, yeah, keep an eye on that one. And speaking of the media, Antoinette, your report from Media Diversity Australia, which you're a part of, came out yesterday and it found that even though a quarter of Australians are from non-European backgrounds, in television news media... Um, that demographic only made up 6% of people on screen. Yeah, and it was actually much worse for commercial networks um, like Network 10, which we were just speaking about. On average, among commercial networks, it was only about 1.3% representation. So it means that the non-European portion of the population is actually 19 times greater than what we see on our screen. So the report was called Who Gets to Tell Australian Stories? And it looks at everything from who who makes up the network boards, who TV editorial leaders are, what's happening in regional newsrooms. It also polled audience attitudes because sometimes it's easy to forget that it's about speaking to and connecting to audiences and also surveyed several hundred journo staff on their attitudes. But there was quite a bit of caginess and defensiveness from some of the networks, which was disappointing, but, you know, not entirely surprising because anyone with eyes and ears can see just how unrepresentative our, our news and current affairs media is. And so I saw that Channel 7 pushed back saying, why are you just focusing on our news programs? Why not, you know, 
the whole mm. schedule. Yeah, well, I mean, Channel 7 were by far the worst offenders um, in that they still have a breakfast television show that looks like the White Australia policy is still in place. So the only breakfast television show that doesn't have anybody of any cultural background, Indigenous, European or non-European, that whole reality television defence, it's almost like, yeah, you can come and cook and dance for us if you're a person of colour, but you can't actually tell our stories. You can't be a political analyst. You can't comment on or, or take a part in news and current affairs, which is just really elitist and exclusionary. But they weren't the only ones to get defensive. The ABC, which has to do better because black and brown people pay their taxes too, they weren't particularly great either. And so Australia just lags behind places like the UK, Canada, New Zealand, and even the US, like who aren't perfect, but they're so much further along in their journey than Australia is. And the thing is, it's, it's just not good for business or content. Like Tom, you and I, we come from different worlds. We have really different views. Mm. And how boring would it be if we just sat here and agreed mm. about everything? Totally. It, it makes conversations a lot more interesting when you get to contrast different views and experiences. You learn more about the world. Mm-hmm. The death toll from the earthquake in Indonesia has risen to 268. So 150 are still missing, mm. and there was another magnitude 7 quake in the Solomons, but no deaths or injuries there, thankfully. And our final story, Antoinette, um, Melissa Caddick's art collection. <laughs> so first they found her sneaker with her foot in it on the south coast, then they sold her house, her cars, and now her artworks. So last night in Sydney, her art collection was auctioned, and there were some pretty amazing works in there. A John Olson piece that sold for 24000 There was a ceramic totem pole for 6000 And a Luke Skiberis painting for 7000 And obviously these are all parts of efforts to recoup cash for investors. And then they're going to uh, auction off her jeweller and designer clothing next mm-hmm. month. Would you um, buy or wear that, that gear? No, I think um, yeah, I, I wouldn't want to touch it. All right, we'll catch you later, Antoinette. Katrina is about to take a deep dive on the Queensland Police Service. Katrina Blau is here with you with today's briefing on the damning report into the Queensland Police problem with women and our First Nations people. So this report has really pulled back the curtain on a culture that, I guess particularly in 2022, couldn't be any uglier. Female officers raped, stalked and threatened by senior colleagues. An internal complaint system that's broken and allows discrimination to go unchecked. Victims of domestic and sexual violence being mocked and ignored. So how is this allowed to happen? What does this mean, I guess, for policing in Queensland generally? And how could a culture that is so broken be fixed? Kate Kiriakou is a senior journalist at the Courier Mail. She's been following this really closely and she joins us on the briefing now. Give us a bit of a backstory. What led to this inquiry? What were the first, I guess, rumblings within the Queensland police that something was wrong? So quite a while ago, there was some discussion around bringing in legislation around coercive control. And, you know, that sort of came about because of some campaigning after some really, really horrible um, domestic violence murders. So they set up a thing called the Women's Safety and Justice Task Force, and that had a look at coercive control, what it means, how you would make it illegal, how it would be policed. 
but it also looked at the experiences of women within the criminal justice system from both angles, so as a victim but also as someone who might have been uh, incarcerated. And one of the recommendations from that was there should be an inquiry into how police deal with domestic violence. And it looked at whether there were problems within the Queensland Police Service around sexism, racism, misogyny, homophobia, all of those sorts of things. And if there were those big problems within the Queensland Police Service, did that have an impact on how police would interact with the public when they were called to help them? Let's talk about some of the internal issues within the police that have come to light. What are some of the more troubling stories around, you know, the treatment of female officers about bullying and uh, I guess too about attitudes towards Indigenous officers? There were quite a few case studies raised during the inquiry. Um, Some of the stories were really, really awful. There was one where I, uh, I mean... uh, some of these you just are really difficult to forget. There was one police officer, female police officer, who was at a particular unit to, to be interviewed for a job and walking in to that interview, one of the people on the panel basically touched her inappropriately as she walked into the room and then that person who'd done that went and sat down next to a colleague who was also on the interview panel and that colleague passed him a note that said loose, question mark, and then they both had a bit oh of a laugh about it. Goodness. And then she had oh. to sit down and do that interview and um, was a bit rattled and, and didn't get the job. I mean, you wouldn't want to work for that person anyway, would you? But, um, you know, there were other cases of female police officers being sexually assaulted at work, you know, just really inappropriate things like a, a poster of a woman in a bikini up in, in the office that said tap and go on it. That same office had a whole bunch of fridge magnets of women in lingerie. There was uh, one case where a male police officer was effectively, you'd have to say, stalking his colleagues, uh, sending them photos uh, of his penis, sending the same female colleague over and over again the same video of himself masturbating. The important thing to remember here is that Queensland Police Service is made up of 17,000 people and that's a slice of society, you know, and every slice of society will have a lot of good people who do the right thing and some bad people who don't. But what was concerning about the bad people who don't is that in, on many occasions they weren't punished. In a lot of occasions this, this disciplinary thing called a local managerial resolution, which is effectively just a chat with a more senior officer, don't do it again kind of thing. The LMR process is good when it's used properly. If it's a one-off, very minor situation where you know you've done the wrong thing. Um, But in these cases, it was being used for people who were doing the wrong thing over and over again and and very um, serious allegations too where the LMR process just should have never been used and so that was what was most concerning is that when this behaviour was called out there was no punishment for it and so why does anyone think within that situation that you know it's easy to get away with behaving poorly whereas a good police service with integrity would would get rid of that immediately you know that way the the people who do the right thing aren't in a situation where they are now where they're, you know, effectively tarnished with that brush, which is really, really disappointing for the people who do the right thing. 
An Indigenous officer who resigned after 26 years in the QPS, so that's that's quite a long time, and he said he attempted to address racism in the organisation, but those attempts left him broken. There were also some leaked recordings that came out of the Brisbane Watch House uh, just a, a week or so ago. Tell us about those recordings and what they revealed. Yeah, they were really, really disturbing. Um, and I think it's well known that people in the police service use a bit of black humour. And I, I think it's fair to say that journalists do the same thing when you're around, you know, horrible things day in, day out. It's a coping mechanism. But the stuff that you heard on these recordings was not that. It was horrible. <laughs> So a watch house officer made these recordings in 2019. I think he too had raised a lot of concerns about the workplace and then ended up making sure the recordings went public during this inquiry or at the end of the inquiry. There were things like talking about Sudanese people, and how they should just be bashed and buried and no one would care. Um, Just a whole bunch of people casually standing around at work making these hideous comments. You hear a lot of stuff in in this job and listening to that you think, how could people talk like that? Yeah, and and I know the commissioner herself talked about how listening to those recordings was, was, you know, like a stab to the heart. But again, you know, she's been questioned on are you trying to locate those people who spoke like that? Do they have a place in the Queensland Police Service? And she she says that inquiries are being made in, in that regard. Yeah, it shouldn't be too hard. The, the Brisbane Watch House uh, wouldn't have a huge number of staff, I wouldn't think. So I guess a lot of people looking from the outside in, maybe looking from other states, would think, how can an organisation in Queensland have a problem with women? We have a Queensland Premier. The Queensland Police Commissioner is also a woman. This is the other thing that that I guess other people are scratching their heads about is that Katarina Carroll, the Queensland Police Commissioner, is going to keep her job. The Premier has said, no, I want you to stay on. There have been questions raised about her leadership. Do you think she is the right person and, and that she can navigate the change that is needed going forward? That's a difficult question. I think you have to be responsible for the things that have happened under under your leadership. Uh, she says she's taking responsibility. I personally think that the best way forward is to set a really strong example for the people who have done the wrong thing. I interview a lot of really incredible police who have gone above and beyond to help the community, to solve crimes, who are really passionate about it. And this whole thing with the people who do the wrong thing, it makes me really angry for those people who do the right thing and who have dedicated years and years or who go to work and put their safety at risk for other people. Those people don't deserve this. So anyone who continues on to run the QPS, I think, needs to really boost the integrity of the service for those people who do the right thing. I think there just should be a very strong example set for both the people who have done the wrong thing but also uh, a message needs to be sent to the people who look the other way and allowed it to happen. I'm talking about 
the, the type of people who who pass a note to someone who just inappropriately touched a woman going to a job interview with the word loose on it. An example needs to be set and a strong message needs to be sent that that's unacceptable. That was Kate Kiriakou from The Courier Mail. And what we didn't mention there is that the Queensland Police Service has also brought in an external consultant. So her name's Julie McKay. She works with PricewaterhouseCoopers. Uh, she's implemented some change over at the military and in other organisations before. So that's one of the strategies. Another thing I'll mention is that Katarina Carroll, the police commissioner, was asked at a press conference what message does this send for women wanting to join the police now? And she said, listen, there's never been a better time as a woman to join the Queensland Police because we are on this and we're implementing change. So I guess time will tell if that really happens. Listener.